I don't know who's calling. I don't have the name on the caller ID. You, like, stop. Like, I can't take your... I'm on the phone with Zach. Stop calling. I don't... I, I will take your call after this interview. Sorry if I'm sounding Are frustrated. Okay, no, I'm not okay. Are you okay? This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I'm a Grateful Dead fan. I think to best describe tonight's show, I'm going to use a Grateful Dead phrase, a Grateful Dead term. I think tonight's show is going to be a long, strange trip. A lot of different things as I'm looking at the rundown right now. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how all of this is going to go. A lot of different topics. Two different guests. It's a two for Tuesday. I, I don't want to make that an official thing because as soon as we name it, and make it a thing, then I'm actually going to have to book two guests every Tuesday, and I don't know if I want to back myself into a corner like that. But in the case today, two for Tuesday, two guests Tuesday, David Gasper at 4.30 to talk Brewers. That that much is nothing new. But at 5.30, we're going to talk to Mike Clements because Mike emailed me this morning. It's like, hey, we got a lot to talk about. you mind if I join you at 5.30? And I said, Mike, welcome. Absolutely, you can join the show. The Brewers didn't play last night. Sure, the Saints and the Jags played, but I can't talk about that for more than a couple of minutes top. So, heck yeah. So, we got two guests. We have a bunch of different topics, none of which really fit together. And I'm going to warn you now. Not warn you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you so you can get excited. Um, we're going to get personal today. I'm going to strip away some of my ego. I'm going to tell you about an experience I had last night. Changed me a little bit for the better. And I think that will be reflected in today's show. Why don't we start with that? It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. And I hope you've had a wonderful day. The Brewers didn't play last night, and I don't mind when the Brewers don't play on Monday. And maybe you feel the same way. It's one less obligation, so we can really ease into the week. You know, get done with our first work day of the week, and then go home, make dinner, do laundry, clean, whatever we need to do. Take care of our business. Get settled in for the week without having to worry about a Brewer game. Now they will be back tonight to start a series against the Reds. That game, starting at 7:10, will be all across all of the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network stations, at least the ones that this show is on. Sports Talk 105.1 in Eau Claire, WKTY in La Crosse, and The Zone in Madison. This series could go a long ways in shaping the next month or so. If the Reds win all three or they win two of three, it makes things mighty interesting. If the Brewers sweep the Reds or at least sweep them in commanding fashion or beat them in two of three in commanding fashion, that could go a long way in not putting the Reds away, but really beginning to put the division race away. And the Brewers can focus on bigger and better things. One noteworthy thing I should probably mention about the Brewers, because we're not going to talk about the Brewers until 4.30. And I know, I, I think at least Zach Heilprin mentioned this in our update to start With the With this Wisconsin yeah, Sports Zone Network update, I'm Zach Heilprin. Yeah, I think Zach mentioned that Eduardo Escobar is going on the injured list for at least 10 days with a hamstring. So the Packers also put Will Redmond on IR today, which ends his season uh, which for special teams is a bummer, except their special teams suck anyways. So I don't know really how much worse they could get. And if Will Redmond's not on the field, he can't drop interceptions in the NFC Championship game. But we're not starting with the Packers. We're starting with football, and we will get into the Brewers at 430. But just a couple of news and notes <laughs> to start the show with. I want to start with football. Not necessarily the Packers, but football in general. Preseason football. Crazy. I know. Is yesterday I said, we should just be the anti-preseason football show. We should just hate on That should be our thing. That could be our calling card on the Wisco Sports Show. But last night, 
I believe I've, I had a little bit of a change of heart. I had kind of an emotional night last night. A little bit of story time here. Let me uh, explain myself. Last night after work, I headed to the YMCA. Had to get a workout in. Kind of had a, a little bit of a bad weekend. Maybe celebrate a little bit too hard for a friend's birthday. Ate some junk food. A lot of chicken wings. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get back on the right track starting Monday night. No brewer game. We get to the YMCA. Throw some weight around. Right? Big weight. Not going for tone here. We're going for size. Great workout last night. Ebo, who's on vacation this week, Ebo would be proud. I feel like my body isn't big enough to contain the muscles that I was growing last night. I need more skin so they can fit. I'm mostly kidding. I'm 6'3", and I weigh like 175 pounds. But a good workout nonetheless. I had a great workout. Also, small side note, for people who work out at the gym, two things that I just want to get off my chest. If you're not using the bench... Not not necessarily like the, the barbell bench, but like just the bench in general where people do dumbbell bench, maybe do different weights. If you're not using it, like if you're working out with a plastic band, step away from the bench. You're not using the bench. You don't need to stand next to it. Get away so some somebody else can use the bench. I wanted to do dumbbell press, trying to get some chest size on me. Ebo's Instagram post the other day, if you saw it, he's looking kind of jacked. And I, I don't know, it kind of put me in my place a little bit. So I'm trying to get some size on my chest. Everybody's standing next to the bench, but not not using him. So stop. Stop with that. Also, I don't get why people in the summer go to the gym to run on the treadmill or walk on the treadmill. Sidewalks are free, baby. Walking trail, nice side road in a neighborhood. That's free. That's free. Go outside, get the fresh air. It's nice. Treadmills were popping last night. I didn't didn't get it. Anyways, those are my two cents on the the gym. Anyways, while I'm working out, doing some curls because the bench wasn't available, I'm looking at the TVs on the wall, okay? And on the TV right above me, Tucker Carlson is on because I think it's that type of night. And such a patriot always motivates me to lift harder for God and for my country. I'm I'm kidding. It's on mute anyways. I can't hear it. ESPN's on the other TV. And it's Monday Night Football, which I didn't realize last night because it's preseason. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it's Monday night. We do have Monday Night Football. And it's Monday Night Countdown or whatever it is, you know, leading up until the game. Now, I don't really enjoy Monday Night Football or Monday Night Countdown. I enjoy... The football, everything else kind of gives me stomach cramps. I figured maybe this year they'd go away from come on, man. Because I, I don't know. I don't really enjoy listening to Adam Schefter obnoxiously yell about highlights that I saw on social media three days ago, but to each their own. So I guess they're doing come on, man, again this year. Lucky us. Could have gotten rid of it. Still won't get rid of it. Okay, cool. I don't love Monday Night Countdown, but, and this is the point I'm trying to get at, I love a good, what's the phrase? Seasonal transition. I think we love that in the state of Wisconsin. We we love living here because you get the four seasons. I could never live in California. I could never live somewhere else because I want the four seasons. I want the the changing of the leaves and the changing of the the colors and everything. We love a good seasonal transition. And for whatever reason, last night as I'm sitting in the YMCA and I'm watching Monday Night Countdown, which is on mute, and I'm seeing these ugly piss green graphics that they use for whatever reason and the stupid come on, man, Highlights kind of hit me in my feels a little bit. I'm like, man, summer's kind of dwindling here. We're kind of getting down to it. It's almost football season. Fast forward about an hour or so after I'm done with my workout till about like 8.45. I go home, make a snack, and I'm like watching a little bit of Jag Saints. And at this point, Trevor Lawrence is out, and I miss Jameis Winston too. I saw those while I was working out. Everyone's ripping Urban Meyer on Twitter and praising Jameis Winston. I decide that I'm going to go to a friend's place. Nothing going on. Brewers weren't playing, so I had a little free time. I'm go visit a friend. So I get in my car, 9 p.m., and I'm driving down West Ave, 
right in the middle of lacrosse, and it's pitch black outside. And I start to think, oh, you know what? Months ago, it would have been light outside. The sky would have had that beautiful summer glow right after the sun goes down, right? People would still be out walking, but no, it's pitch black. And I thought, mm, summer, it's wrapping up, running out. It's basically fall. It's basically football season. And before you know it, it's going to be Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then it's January and I'm freezing to death and I want to die, right? We all know how well, that, that works. Last night, it was really starting to hit me. and It was a weird combination of factors between watching ESPN and driving around at 9 p.m. Like, I say all that to say this. I've resisted football violently for two weeks. I'm like, no, you can't make me watch preseason. I, I can't. You know what? It's time. I surrender. I surrender. It's football season. I get it. And I guess the best way to explain this uh, mental acceptance to you was basically to describe my entire Monday evening. Really entertaining electric stuff, right? My God, wild life I lead. Like um, George Costanza in one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes, I think it's one of everybody's favorites, when he says, I'm shifting into soup mode. I think I have to accept and shift into football mode. We did the NBA thing for the longest time. We've been leading with the Brewers every day for what feels like two months now, and it's been a blast, but... Man, I'm also getting kind of excited about football. Not to watch preseason games, but the storylines that maybe come from preseason games leading to the regular season, that I can get into. Right, this is huge. I'm going to have to start dressing differently now that it's football season. Listen to different podcasts. This changes everything. Which, to kind of conclude the Seinfeld thing, I'm pretty sure that's what Jerry said about becoming an orgy guy, right? You're going to have to dress differently. I'm going to have to grow a mustache. Oh, God. if, If football grant is here that I'm going to have to start changing some things. I have to change up the way I'm I'm going about my business. I checked Twitter this morning before 8.30 p.m. I don't remember when I first got on Twitter. And I realized quickly, I'm like, yep, it's not just me. The whole world, the whole sports landscape is ready for football because there were a few players and stories that were trending. And they were all NFL buzzwords and NFL topics that people just love to talk about and chew into. So Justin Fields is trending this morning. Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Jerry Jones, and then Cole Beasley, of course. Those are basically the four horsemen of the NFL Twitter apocalypse. Justin Fields, Taysom Hill, Jerry Jones, and Cole Beasley. Those four. It's like, hey, if we could get four things trending to completely get NFL Twitter just raging and rolling, those would probably be the four things. Maybe Brett Favre saying something politically insensitive. Maybe that would be in there. would be another NFL topic. I don't know, maybe Kirk Cousins because people love to rag on Kirk Cousins, but people love to rag on Cole Beasley, and that was kind of a big story today as well. Let's start with Justin Fields. Adam Schefter tweeted this morning, and Bears fans, you will love this, tweeted this morning that Bears head coach Matt Nagy said that Justin Fields will start Saturday versus the Titans and play roughly two quarters. Now, I don't know if he'll play with the starters. That's, I think, the question that Bears fans have. It's like, okay, he's starting, but are you going to let him play with the ones? Are you going to give him an opportunity to play with the ones? What blows me away? And Bears fans, look, I'm not going to tell you how to feel. I, I, I'm not used to this. I've had the same quarterback basically my entire life. My quarterback controversy is whether or not Jordan Love suits up, okay? I'm, I'm not cut out for this. I've never been a part of this. But just an observation. I've noticed that folks who have never cared about the Bears before, ever, are ready to throw hands over this. Like, people are ready to get violent and fight online because Justin Fields needs to start and every minute that Andy Dalton plays is a huge waste of time. Blah, 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 blah. Look, Justin Fields is going to start. Absolutely, he's going to start. Like, can we just can we just accept that? It's, it's not like 
Matt Nagy and the Bears are going to keep him stashed on the bench the entire year. And I think some people are scared of that. And if they do keep him stashed on the bench the entire year, then that means the Bears are probably winning a lot of games, a la the Vikings with Case Keenum in 2017. And that would be a great thing for Bears fans. And that would probably be a great thing for Justin Fields, too, because he gets extra time to learn. And that probably means that whenever he does take over, which would probably happen soon thereafter, whenever the season ends, whatever happens in the season, right? Then Justin Fields would probably be stepping forward and stepping into a pretty good situation, which is great. So it's all cake for Justin Fields. He either gets to play right away and start to get experience right away, or he's going to sit. And if he sits, the Bears will be great. So I don't know why we're freaking out. I don't know where they're going to insert him into the schedule. I was looking at the Bears schedule today, and I don't know if there's like a natural point to stick him in because they start with the Rams. That's not ideal. Then they have the Bengals. Maybe that'd be a good spot to insert him week two, but then they have Cleveland. Okay, that they might be the second best team in the AFC. Okay, so week five or week four, they have Detroit. Oh, okay, that's ideal. And then they have Vegas. Oh, two pretty good matchups. Well, then they host the Packers and then they have the Bucks and then they have the Niners and then they have the Steelers and then they have the Ravens, right? So I don't know... If there's a natural window to stick him in, it's probably a feel-it-out type of thing. If Andy Dalton starts to struggle and, you know, that's what happened with Baker Mayfield. That's what happened with Deshaun Watson in Houston. It took all of, like, three quarters for Bill O'Brien to get ticked and switch quarterbacks. Look, it's going to happen, okay? I just I just advice for, for Bears fans or for NFL fans that seemingly are losing sleep over this. Justin Fields is going to play. Matt Nagy is going to do what is in the best interest of the Bears, which I also think is in the best interest of Justin Fields because what's in the best interest of the Bears? Developing Justin Fields and making sure that he, when he plays, whether that's really early or whether that's delayed, or maybe that's not until next year. I don't think that'll happen. But whenever Justin Fields plays, that he will succeed. And that's what's in the long-term interest of the Bears and I think what is then in the long-term interest of of Matt Nagy and, and Justin Fields as well. I don't know. I just, I'm not going to get bent out of shape about this. If Andy Dalton starts week one, okay, Andy Dalton starts week one. We've seen this a bunch of times over the last couple of years, and it's never as big of a deal as we think. Because this year isn't going to make or break it for the Bears. And if Andy Dalton's killing it and winning games, okay, cool. Then try to make the postseason. Made the postseason with Mitchell Trubisky a couple of times. Andy Dalton's a huge upgrade over that. And if Justin Fields is as advertised, he'll be way better than that too. So it's fine. It's all cake. The NFC North is exciting. The Packers and the Bears. I think the Vikings are going to be pretty decent this year, too, assuming Kirk Cousins doesn't miss half of their games. Last night, I watched a little bit of Monday Night Football. It was kind of fun to watch Jameis Winston, wasn't it? I don't think the Saints are going to be very good, but I think Jameis Winston's going to be fun to watch. And Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, they have fantasy implications on that team. And the division is, I don't want to say winnable, The Buccaneers are far and away the best team in that division, but then they also have the Falcons, right? They have the Panthers. The Saints could win some games. Might be kind of entertaining. Taysom Hill always gets the people going. Taysom Hill was playing last night, and Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, and that battle is an amazing battle between the numbers people who love Jameis, and I think with good reason, but then also the football guys who are like, man, I don't care what position Taysom Hill plays. That man's a great football player. I want him on my team. I want him behind center. He's a leader. He's an athlete. He's an all-around football guy. It's like, okay. Is he any good, though? (laughs) You know what I mean? Jameis was a laser show last night. It was fun to watch. Dropping deep dimes, and I I want Jameis to be good. I think Jameis being good would be great for the NFL. I mean, in the last 10 years, most hyped quarterback prospects, who can you think of? Andrew Luck? Probably Trevor Lawrence? Jameis has to be right there, too, right? 
I know now we don't think of him like that, but when he was drafted, that's what we thought of Jameis Winston. And it's cool to see players like that, even if they don't live up to expectations, at least not suck. Like It's the same in the NBA draft. When there's a top of the the draft prospect who we're all really excited about, it kind of sucks when they don't live up to expectations or when they're not good at all or when they bust out of the league. Right? Like Jabari Parker. The league would be a better place if Jabari Parker was great. Obviously, that's not the case. I want to get into the Packers just for a couple of minutes. Uh, There is a piece of literature, an article, a survey, actually, that was put out by The Athletic. And there's some interesting things in here regarding the Packers. And I'm not really sure that I agree with them. I do not have a lot of love for the Packers. They're my team. I can't wait to watch them. I'm going to cheer for them. But I'm a little bit frustrated with the Packers these days. And this sentiment that I'm going to share with you in this survey that was done with NFL agents, it kind of is negative towards the Packers. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is unfair. So I want to talk about that. We'll also talk about the Brewers with David Gasper coming up at 435. Stick around. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Brewers with David Gasper reviewing the brew coming up in about 10 or 12 minutes. Talk about Yelich. I feel like we do have to mention Eric Lauer really briefly because he has been just a content machine for this show. And I saw him pitch in person on Saturday and did not enjoy it. So I, I want to talk about that. It'll be therapeutic. Talk about a couple of other players that are trending up or trending down. And of course, this series with the Reds. We get connected with Gasper in about 10 minutes. Mike Clements in an hour. Live from Green Bay. Right now, we're just BSing about preseason NFL. About to do Packers in a minute or two. Talked about Justin Fields for a couple of minutes because people are so angry. So, so angry. I I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Like, the Bears are not going to ruin their season by starting the wrong guy week one. Or waiting until week three to bring another guy in. Like, I... I don't think this is that delicate of a situation. If they start with Andy Dalton, okay, play him until it doesn't make sense to play him. If you start with Justin Fields, okay, play him, but understand there might be some warts or some growing pains, or maybe there won't be. I I don't know. I I don't think this is negotiating a nuclear treaty here, and people want to treat it like it's an emergency. Jeff in lacrosse, one of our resident Bears listeners, we have a couple of texts from some of our Bears listeners, says, Justin is fine with the way it's going. If you listen to him talk, Dalton and Fields are better than Mitch and Foles. Great show. I lift in my basement and run outside, by the way. Yeah, you do. Because you're a man, Jeff. I love running. I was a cross-country track guy, but I would never do it on a treadmill. I would certainly not pay to do it on a treadmill. I'm going to go outside in the fresh air, take my shirt off, and let the world see me. Something like that. Robin Stoddard says, as a Bears fan, I'm predicting the Bears are going to struggle with Andy Dalton, and when they panic and put in Justin Fields to try to trade their season. Look, if they put in Andy Dalton and Andy Dalton starts to struggle, Like, that's a possibility they need to consider, right? If they put in Justin Fields and he struggles, that's something they need to consider, right? They need to have a plan for just about every outcome, right? And they need to be okay with every outcome. If they start Andy Dalton to begin the year, they need to have a plan for eventually putting Justin Fields in. Like, what the Bears can't do is start Andy Dalton and then get to week three. Oh, this isn't going well. Oh, no, do we put Fields in? What do we do? do? What do we do? No, you need to be ready for that possibility. So as long as the Bears plan ahead and have a plan for any outcome, I think they're fine because, once again, I don't think... This is that big of a deal. If field starts week one or week four or week six, I don't... This is a long-term thing, right? If he's your franchise quarterback, 
there will be time for this to work itself out. And I think how it begins will be a blip on the radar. Unless they're looking like a Super Bowl team with Andy Dalton through week five, then I guess that changes the conversation. I want to do a couple of minutes on the Packers before we get into the Brewers. And thank you for the texts, 608-796-2558. There's a few annual articles or surveys that are always worthy of your time and I think are worth looking forward to every year. Mike Sando's quarterback tiers come out every summer. Fascinating. He asks a bunch of decision makers around the league to vote which quarterback goes in which tier. One, two, three, four. Right? So you can see how decision makers, front office people, scouts, how they group quarterbacks. Who does Kirk Cousins most resemble? Who does Aaron Rodgers most resemble? Etc. Always think it's worthwhile. The typical NBA executive, who would you start a franchise with today if you could survey? Which has been topped by Giannis. It's been topped by LeBron. It was once topped by Carl Anthony Towns, right? I just love that survey every year. I think it's really fun. This is one that The Athletic has started to do, and I believe this is the third annual. Yeah. 33 reps. NFL agents asked all of these different questions. And a lot of these questions I don't care about. Like this one... What do you think about Juju Smith-Schuster and his deal? I don't, I don't care about Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't really care about the Steelers. There are some questions about the Packers. I wanted to read this for you. Here's the question. What's your view of quarterback Aaron Rodgers' situation with the Packers? This is what one agent said, and I don't really get this. Here's the quote. It's not just about Rodgers, but what it means for the entire league. So many players around the league go through these situations. It's a talent-driven league. The players ultimately have the leverage. Remember the replacement players? Owner won't do that again. Rodgers showed at the end of the day that the players control the situation. Without these elite talents, fans wouldn't be as connected to the league. Now the Packers are one of the better teams with extensions and contracts, but Aaron put them under the spotlight. I want to know whose quote this is. There are 33 different agents who gave answers to this. I want to know because I'm not convinced that whoever said this actually followed the Aaron Rodgers thing. First of all, the quote, so many players around the league go through these situations. No, I don't I don't think very many do. I think Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Anybody else? No? Okay, so that's three. I, th- I think very few players go through these situations. The next quote, the players ultimately have the leverage. Rodgers showed at the end of the day that the players control the situation. Okay, well, let me think. Rodgers didn't want to come back to Green Bay. He wanted more money. He wanted more security. He wanted to be traded. He got, let me see, one, two, three. Oh, he got none of those. So, players control the situation. Really? I just want to know, like, was this agent paying attention who said this? I know we all like to think that the players run the show and they have all the leverage. And they do have a good amount of leverage. And they do make the league money. But what did Aaron Rodgers get? Randall Cobb? All right, he got Randall Cobb. Well done. Well done. I mean, he wanted to be traded and he wanted all these other things. Yes, he got Randall Cobb. That's great. I'm sure the Packers were happy to make that concession in order to get their MVP quarterback for a year. I don't know. It's very odd to me. It's like, is this person paying attention or no? They also asked all of these NFL agents about the most uh, positive and the most negative offseasons. Like, which teams had the best offseason? Which teams had the worst? Teams that had the most disappointing offseason. There were 11 votes for the Texans, which makes sense. And then the Packers were the next closest team with three votes. Now, the Raiders also had three, but the Packers had three. I mean, I I guess, here's the quote. Well, there's two quotes, actually, about why the Packers had a disappointing offseason. And I, I think there were disappointing aspects of this offseason. I, I don't agree with any of this. Quote, 
you could argue Green Bay, even with Rodgers back, considering how it played out. Now there's a Devontae Adams problem. There's something going on there. It's always been an antiquated place. Is there an Adams problem? I just think he wants to be paid. He said he's going to play this year. That's money he's earned. He's not giving it up. He wants to be the highest played player. I don't know if that's a problem. I think that's something they'll figure out after this season. Right? An antiquated place? I don't know. I think yes. But I, I, I think in ways that, I don't know. I think they're antiquated in the way that they draft. Maybe a little bit antiquated in the way that they don't communicate with players. I I, I don't know. This quote right here. You have this great roster, but now an off-season of discontent. Sleepless nights in Green Bay. Who do you think isn't sleeping in Green Bay? Got their MVP quarterback back. Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams all back. David Bakhtiari trending the right direction. He'll be healthy before too long. Great coach. Super Bowl roster. Second best odds in the NFC to win the Super Bowl behind Tampa Bay. Offseason of discontent. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers was traveling the world with his girlfriend? You really think he's going to retire? I don't buy into that. And now he's back and he's talking to Goody on the field and he's smiling and he's playing with teammates. Like what? I, I just think this was so overblown. Aaron Rodgers was unhappy with the Packers. Yes. He probably wanted to go elsewhere. Yes. After the season, he will probably want to go elsewhere. Yes. But he was always going to come back and play. At least that's my opinion. I know Rodgers has said otherwise. I think he was always going to come back and play. This was just all about the drama of making the Packers look bad. And Rodgers doing his own thing and finding himself or whatever with his new girlfriend. Which I'm not hating. Look, you got a beautiful new girlfriend. Go to town. Travel the world. You got money. But we just we just fed this fire fed with all of these reports and I'm not saying they were fake reports that were designed to get clicks but you got to feed the fire right I don't know he's got to keep it going I just I I don't know I think we created a narrative and Rogers did nothing to dispel it don't get me wrong but I think we created that this was this huge emergency Rogers was absolutely unhappy but the Packers were going to trade him I don't think he was going to retire and he's still under contract so the reality was he was always going to come back and play because he didn't really have a choice we turned it into this huge thing and now that's how we remember it when I don't think that's ever what it was really about. I don't know. Interesting survey reading some of these quotes. It's like, I don't, did you guys paying attention? I don't, I don't know if you got this straight. Let's take a break. Talk about the Brewers. Start a set with the Reds tonight. This series will go a long way in shaping the last month or so of the season and the division race in the NL Central. Let's get connected with our good, good buddy, David Gasper, reviewing the Brew. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having a solid night. If you're just joining the show, I told a long story about my evening last night and how I got caught in my feels a little bit. Summer's coming to a close. We're getting into football season, so we're going to talk a little bit more NFL. Be a lot more fun once these preseason games wrapped up. We also learned that Jeff uh, lifts weights in his basement. So I learned something about Jeff in lacrosse today, one of our Bears fans. We're going to get back into talking about the NFL and the Packers next hour, right after 5 o'clock. Mike Clemens will join us exactly an hour from now. David Gasper, it's Tuesday and it's 4.30, so he is here with us. David Gasper, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Happy Corbin Burns Day. Yeah, it is. I forgot it's Corbin Burns Day. And it's with the start of the Red Series. I love how they timed it up. They had their three... Uh, not junior varsity pitchers, but none of their big three this weekend. And then they have, they would have their big three with Peralta, except he's hurt. So they have Woodruff and Burns both going in this series against the Reds. 
and they're filling until Peralta can come back. I want to I want to finish with the Reds. We'll we'll finish with the Reds, and that can like jaunt us into tonight's game. I do have to brag a little bit about this weekend because I was an actual sports analyst and I went to a game, not as a media member, but as a as a common man. Uh, and I saw Yelich hit two bombs, which we'll talk about. But first, I, we got to mention I saw my boy Eric Lauer, who yeah. has been a content machine for the show. And I got to say, I was very underwhelmed. I was extremely <laughs> underwhelmed by my boy. That was kind of frustrating. That was a bummer. Yeah, he's not exactly uh, an overpowering uh, dominant guy when you when you see him, especially compared to you know Burns and Woodruff. You know, you're expecting guys like that. And yeah, Lauer's not really a, a Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. Uh, type of pitcher, but I mean, he he settled down there after the first inning and, and had a somewhat you know solid outing. You know, nothing spectacular, but you know it was it was solid and, and it kept them in the game. That's for sure. He started like he was going to do the Brett Anderson, where he gives up three runs and then leaves with an injury, and I was so ticked. I'm, look, I understand <laughs> like if I go to a game, I might see my team lose, but when I go to two Brewer games a year and one of them is I get the Brett Anderson treatment, I I would have been ticked. And it ended up being a great game. And part of that was Christian Yelich. I've been at two Brewer games this year. Yelich homered in the first. And then I saw him homer twice on Saturday. So I've seen three of the eight Yelich home runs. That's 1.5 per game. Just you, you need to call the Brewers. And you need to have them send you to every single game the rest of the way. Send you on the road trips. Yep. Like, every, like we need you at every single game. Just all I need is a seat in the 400 section and a six-pack of ice-cold PBR. It doesn't have to be cold. It can be warm. PBR is a beer. That's why it's so great. Is enjoy it warm. Enjoy it cold. Anywhere in between. That was the one constant of the two games was me and Hey, if you, if you get the right beer vendor, if you get the ice man, yeah. it's all ice-cold, ice-cold shivers that you're getting from him. Oh, my God. We couldn't. It was so hot at Saturday's game. And I— I, we st- we were on the third baseline, which normally I try to avoid because I like being in the shade, but we were baking in the sun. And then the roof closed, and it felt like we were in an oven, which I prefer because yeah. I don't want the I don't want the rain delay. But it, it was pretty warm, and the game took like four hours and 15 minutes. Luckily, Christian Yelich gave us something to celebrate in the eighth inning, and that was the climax of the game. That's what it all built up to, which is great. Mm-hmm. The question this week has now become David Gasper reviewing the brew, whether or not Christian Yelich is back. So I will ask you that, but I also am curious, what, like, what does that mean? Like, if you are to say Christian Yelich is back, what is your measuring stick? What is the criteria for Yelich being back, in your opinion? I mean, if we're talking about Yelich being back to MVP form, I mean, that is the the combination of, you know, hitting and on-base ability and hitting for power. power. Um, so it's it's getting the singles and doubles. It's hitting the ball hard, spraying it all over the field, not just um, this pull-happy thing that he's been doing for the past year and a half, which is, uh, resulted in quite a lot of shifts, uh, some very strong shifts against him, mm-hmm. and leaving that third base side wide open. I mean, 2018-2019, when he was when he was at his best, um, he was going to all fields, um, and they really couldn't shift on him. Um, so that's really going to be kind of the measuring stick. I don't think we're going to see the shifting stop for a little bit longer, just because of how teams look at the the numbers and, and things like that. But really, over his last 10-11 games. Uh, he's really been looking like he's back. I mean, he's hitting 356 uh, with a 939 OPS in his last 45 at bats over his last 11 games. Um, so, you know, he's got those two home runs that you saw. He's got, you know, the RBIs, he's got a couple of doubles. Um, he's been looking a whole lot better, hitting the ball with authority, hitting it to all parts of the field. Um, that's the Christian Yelich that, that we know. And, and that's the Christian Yelich that won an MVP award. Um, so, Really just kind of the measuring stick. 
you know, just kind of keep keeping this up uh, for a little bit longer. I mean, it, it's a 10-game stretch. It's a really good 10-game stretch. Uh, but, you know, going to need probably a little bit more uh, just to see to have a significant enough sample size to know that that he's back at that point. Um, but, you know, so far he appears to be trending in the right direction. Um, it may be tough to fully declare him back yet, but he certainly appears to be on his way. Well, and I think that's what's different about, say, the 2021 Brewers and the 2018 Brewers. Like, in 2018, if Christian Yelich wouldn't have been the MVP, they're not in the NLCS. This year, they have a more complete team around him to where they can live with the Christian Yelich slump for a few months. And if he gets trending in the right direction in August and in September, okay, whatever. Happy to have you, right? It's no big deal. Now let's go try to win in the postseason. Whereas I think last year, the year before, a season like this just wouldn't have worked out because they offensively could not have absorbed uh, the lack of production that they've had from Yelich. I think it's a, it's a complete game thing, right? Like he's been getting on base. He's been getting the walks, right? The strikeouts have been a little high. But what you want is you want to continue to get on base. You want to continue to to make contact with the ball, but you want to add the power, and you want to add the power to all fields. And I think Yelich at his peak is such a complete player where he does a little bit of everything. And part of those uh, parts of those games, excuse me, have been taken away. David Gasper reviewing the brew. Two players that I want to ask you about, and these are discussions that are kind of like tilted towards the postseason and late in the year. Um, so we're looking into the future a little bit. And I know that they're not out of the woods yet. They have a tough series against the Reds, and we'll, we'll finish with that. But... If you will allow me to look ahead, I want to ask you about Aaron Ashby. He's 2018 Corbin Burns, right? He is the starter prospect who they've transformed into a reliever for the purposes of using him in middle relief, right? I see a scenario like with Corbin Burns in 2018 where he's maybe their third best reliever in the postseason. Am I misjudging that? Am I getting out over my skis? Or or is that the role you see Aaron Ashby playing on this team moving forward? No, that that that's pretty much exactly it. That that's the role that I kind of see him playing, and that's the role that you know, Craig Council and you know other guys such as Lorenzo Cain and Brett Anderson have said that they really kind of you know envision for him. It's like you know this is very similar to what the Brewers have done with Corbin Burns, with Brandon Woodruff, mm-hmm. with you know their other pitching prospects. You know they came up, they were starters all throughout the minors, and then they put him in the bullpen. Uh, just to get him up to the big leagues, get him in some le- some high leverage situations, get some experience, and then afterwards, you know, the next season or, or the year after that, they move him into uh, the starting rotation. And they've said multiple times they view him as a starter long term, um, and you know he's going to end up being that. But for right now, there's not a spot in the rotation for him. Um, and he got his first opportunity out of the bullpen on Sunday, and I was there to see that, which was uh, very fun to see. Um, had a had two really strong innings. He's ditched the goggles yeah. for whatever reason. I, I'm I'm a little bit sad about that because I enjoyed seeing <laughs> the, the 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 rec specs, the goggles, you know, out there. But um, he's ditched them and he's had some success. So uh, certainly certainly can't complain too much about that. But yeah, he's he's most likely going to be in that Corbin Burns high leverage multi inning uh, type role can kind of fit in a tandem if they need like a fourth starter. Yeah. They can split Hauser and Ashby or or Lauer and Ashby if they want to or, or whatever they want to do. Uh, he can be used in a variety of ways, and that's a, a huge weapon for Craig Council with the way he manages a bullpen and the way he manages his pitching staff in the postseason. It's just another tool to link that starting pitcher to the back end of the bullpen with Williams and Hayter, right? If you have bridge guys, and I think Ashby can be one of those guys, it just makes it makes getting from the first inning to the ninth inning 
it makes that process easier if you have a guy like Ashby who can kind of play. Yeah, especially if your starter has an off night, yes. which hasn't been super common with the Brewers. But, you know, if if you do end up with Woodruff or Burns or Peralta not having their strongest night and they can only go four or five innings, All right. then you can have a guy like Ashby to, to come in and really kind of bridge that gap and bring some heat, bring some high leverage stuff and and really kind of get it to the back end group of, of Hayter, Williams, and, and Boxberger. I got to ask you about Jackie Bradley Jr. And I, well, I mean, this is not a postseason roster question. Like, I don't care what the postseason roster looks like right now, but I think this question gets the gears going in our mind of thinking about the role of Jackie Bradley Jr. on this team. So I'll ask you, if the postseason started today, would Jackie Bradley Jr. be on the roster? And yes or no, what does that mean about his role on the team? I don't think it's as easy of an answer as I thought originally. Originally, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And then I thought about it. Maybe it's not that easy. Well, if the postseason started today, he would be because Tyrone Taylor's on the IL. So that even just eliminates the the backup option. I should have said if everyone was healthy. I knew you were going to do that. That's my bad. (laughs) But I I agree. Yes. Yeah. So if Tyrone Taylor is healthy, um, then, yeah, I think it's definitely a, a tougher question. Tyrone has certainly been a really strong hitter, a uh, really strong hitter off the bench this year uh, and really kind of filling that role well. Jackie Bradley Jr., he's more of a defensive substitution, and he, you don't really need a late-inning defensive sub for Lorenzo Cain. Um, he's still still pretty electric in center field. Maybe, you know, as a as a defensive sub for Abisail Garcia, you know, if you wanted to go that route, but, um, he's you know, Eric really is in right field though. I mean, that one blunder against yeah. the giants, but it's not like he's terrible out there. Right. Yeah. So it, it's not, it's not necessary. Like, like they don't really need a, a late inning defensive sub in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one in the outfield except for probably Christian Yelich is really that bad where they need one. Um, but they're not going to be taking Christian Yelich out for a defensive sub, especially if, as we talked about earlier, if he ends up being back to what he was, you're not taking him out regardless. So it's tough to find a a roster spot for him, you know, if they only want to carry four outfielders. And especially if you're carrying Jace Peterson on that roster, he can fill in in the outfield if necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have a couple of other options there. And... Yeah, it's 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 be tough. really tough to to go with JBJ over Tyrone Taylor because where you're carrying on the bench there, you want to help out in pinch hit situations. Mm-hmm. And Taylor is a much bigger help when it comes to pinch hit situations than Jackie Bradley Jr., at least from what we've seen this season. Yeah, and I know JBJ's had some great postseason moments, so I think about that too. These are all things we have to balance. Maybe yeah, he'll get hot in September. The experience is definitely in his favor. Yeah, and maybe he'll get hot in September and, and make this all a moot point. Really quickly before I let you go, they start a series with the Reds tonight. David Gasper reviewing the brew. Give me one reason to be worried about the Reds and a reason that we shouldn't be worried about the Reds. Well, the reason that we shouldn't be worried about the Reds is that Burns and Woodruff are going in these first two games. So, I mean, you, you got your top two guys going. Uh, they give you a chance to win uh, every single night that they're out there. So that's really kind of a, a positive thing going for them. And it's extremely unlikely that the Reds will be able to sweep the Brewers because they got those two guys. And, mm-hmm. and a sweep would certainly put them right back into the thick of the division race. Um, but even a, a series win for the Reds, going, you know, trying to take at least one from those two guys, that's going to be extremely difficult for them. Um, so the Brewers are in a good spot there. Um, a reason to be worried, though, I mean, Eduardo Escobar is out uh, for 
two weeks now. They just said Craig Council just had his uh, pregame mm-hmm. uh, interview, and he was talking that they expect him to be out for two weeks. It's good news. You know, it's probably the best news that they could hope for based on the injury. Agreed. Um, so he shouldn't be out too long, um, but he is going to be out for uh, this series and, and for the next few. So that that is going to be something to keep an eye on and maybe could be cause for some concern because that does shorten the lineup a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, really, I mean, the Reds are coming in pretty hot. I mean, they've been playing some really good baseball lately. They haven't been able to gain much ground because the Brewers have also been playing well. Um, but the Reds know this is really kind of their their big opportunity to get themselves back in the division race. They're currently the second wild card team. Uh, they've been playing really well. Joey Votto's been a Unreal. huge part of that. Um, but they know this is their final series against the Brewers. This is their last chance to directly make up ground. Uh, so they're going to be coming after them with everything that they got. So it, it's going to be a tough fought series. I hope so. I can't wait. This is good baseball, Gasper, and I'm going to have to text you during the game tonight. I got to let you go because we got to get to Mike Clements, but I appreciate you. Enjoy these games. We can talk next week. Absolutely, Graham. Thanks a lot. Take care. Take care. David Gasper reviewing the brew. I thought that, by the way, not to – Gasper is fantastic today, but I also like the whole give me one reason to be worried, one reason to be positive. I, I like that. I might have to return to that. Next time we do an interview, I'm going to put that one in my back pocket. Let's get to Mike Clements live from Green Bay. We'll speak with him live in an hour. What's going on at camp? Matt LaFleur, Kevin King, and others speaking today. We'll hear a little bit of that coming up next. Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers making roster moves to get down to the required 80 players. They released tight end Daniel Crawford. They traded defensive back Kadar Holman to the Houston Texans for a seventh-round pick. And linebacker Kamal Martin was cut. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. I think these guys understand the ramifications of cuts in this league. And every time you go out on that field, you're being evaluated. Whether it's one play or you're playing 60 plays. So the guys understand the importance of every play play and, and trying to maximize each opportunity that they get to go out there and making sure that they continually get better. Kamal Martin was a fifth-round pick out of Minnesota who played in 10 games but struggled this year in pass coverage and special teams. Linebackers coach Kirk Olivadotti. Um, no, our coverage concept, the underneath coverage is the underneath coverage. There's only so many ways to, I don't know, whatever metaphor you want to put there, that part of it hasn't really changed very much. Kamal, in general, you know, he played last week and that was his first game, and he'll probably tell you it looked like his first game. Packers GM Brian Goodikinst. I think we have a very good squad, and I think this is a tough squad to make. But, you know, I, I do with 16 practice squad spots, which is obviously last year was the first time we had that many. I feel good about, you know, when we get down to it after we get through this week, you know, we'll be at 80, and then uh, we'll get down really at the end of the day. If we're able to keep all our own guys, you'll know, we'll have 69 players in house. Best Packers coverage. live in Green Bay. Appreciate that. We'll speak live with him in an hour. I don't know what got into Mike today. I was in my apartment this morning. I'm having coffee and I'm trying to figure out, oh, what are we going to talk tonight? What are we going to talk about? And I'm, I'm scheming, right? And I'm thinking, ah, I should try to find a second guest tonight. There's no Brewer game to talk about, right? I should. And then I get an email out of nowhere from Mike Clements himself. Hey, can I come on tonight at 530? And I said, well, I guess I'll move all the important stuff to the side. Yes, Absolutely. Packers made a couple of cuts today, and they put Will Redmond on IR. 
So we'll talk about that, sort through it all with Mike Clemens, who is in the promised land, Green Bay, coming up in an hour. This is the Wisco Sports Show. The talk and text line is 608-796-2558. My name is Grant Bills, and my Twitter is at Wisco Grant, if you'd like to tweet me. Going to get back into the Packers here in a couple of minutes. Just BS about football. Talk football stuff for the last hour of the show. I asked our friend David Gasper. Hey, Dave. Uh, David Gasper. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. If the postseason started today, would he be on the roster? Now, this is obviously we're out ahead of ourselves here. The Brewers have not qualified for the postseason yet. The percentages are heavily in their favor, like 98, 97%. But it's not done yet, right? They have a series with the Reds tonight. We naturally got to talk about that. But I think asking about Jackie Bradley Jr.'s hypothetical postseason status is a good way to think, okay, where's JBJ right now on August 24th in relation to Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, Avi Garcia, Tyrone Taylor, Jace Peterson, and all these other guys? Because if the postseason were to start today and Tyrone Taylor was healthy and Lorenzo Cain is healthy and Christian Yelich is healthy and Avi Garcia is healthy, which we wouldn't know to be the case, but in this hypothetical, if everyone's healthy and ready to go, would you want Jackie Bradley Jr. in the postseason over Tyrone Taylor? Certainly not over Avi Garcia or Yelich or Kane. Those are bats that you need, and Kane's bat and his leadership and his defensive presence. So does that mean you're going to keep five outfielders, six outfielders? Because you got your three starters, and then you like Tyrone Taylor. Jace Peterson's solid, too, and he gets on base, which Jackie Bradley Jr. doesn't do. So now you're talking about keeping really five outfielders plus Jace Peterson. I don't know about all that. I don't know if that's something I'm interested in. And this isn't a hate on Jackie Bradley Jr. segment, although on Saturday I got to watch him strike out three times, which I did not enjoy. You know, Defensive replacement, that only gets you so far, especially when you would need to replace Lorenzo Cain, which I don't... Cain's great. Christian Yelich is very good, and Avi Garcia is good enough. He's not Eric Thames in right field, and his bat is one of the biggest bats in your lineup. So... Just throwing it out there. I just get it in the in your mind. It could be in the back of your mind, but just get it in your mind. Like, oh, if the postseason started, what do we think about Jackie Bradley Jr.? Because I think that's something good to think about when we watch these games, including tonight's game, 7-10 against the Reds on all these stations on the Brewers radio network. Let's take a break here from our buddy Zach Heilprin and get back into the NFL and the Packers coming up after this. Direction. Althea told me about Sorry if I'm sounding Are you frustrated. Okay, no, I'm not okay. Are you okay. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. We had some really good Brewers conversation going right before we took a break for Zach at 5 o'clock. And I don't want to slam the door on that. Saw a couple of texts come in. I saw a call come in. So if anybody wants to really quickly hit on the Brewers before we move on, we do have to get into the Packers, but it's not like we have a deadline here to beat. Like, we need to talk about Packers before 5.05 or whatever. Like, there's a little time. So if that uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. conversation, that interested you, if that got your goat, you want to talk about Aaron Ashby and a stretch roll, hey, hit me up real quick, 608-796-2558, and we're going to get into football Whenever this Brewers conversation concludes naturally. I'm gonna come on, I'm not the host to force the conversation where I want to go. That would be selfish. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Mike Clements will join us at 535. 
Packers making all sorts of transactions, and they do have to trim down their roster, so that's understandable. Will Redmond to injured reserve. They made some cuts, including Kamal Martin yesterday, and we barely touched on that. So I feel like we got to give that its due. I was planning to do that in about 15 minutes. First, I think we need to wrap up our Brewers conversation, and I'm assuming that's why Binks is giving us a call at 608-796-2558. Binks, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? How was the game, man? Oh, it was amazing and terrible. I laughed. I cried. I got sunburned. I lost 10 pounds through sweat. I made 30 bucks betting on chorizo to win the sausage race. And I saw Grand Slam. The only problem was that. the game took like four and a half hours, and it didn't need to. It was just dry. I know. I know. But it was well, it was well worth it. Oh, yeah. Got my I money. I think you went down there just to spite I, I think you went down there just to see and pay the see uh eric lauer pitched didn't you <laughs> i kind of i talked so much about eric lauer i feel like it was kind of meant to be the way that the universe lined up and i got where, to see him start on saturday well i well, i know you gave him his due homage when mm-hmm. you were down there yeah, so, yeah exactly and, uh, I, I okay so my pilgrimage yeah here's what <laughs> i think about eric or uh, jackie bradley jr yeah going into the postseason council needs a lot of pitchers Mm-hmm. So I don't think, and you, you met, he's got, there's enough outfielders, you know, provided they're all healthy uh, to go through the postseason. But they also need to have, a, you know, you know, the offensive weapons too. And everybody needs to be firing on all cylinders, so to speak. Um, and Jackie Bradley Jr. just isn't doing it for him right now. So, and you're going to go up against National League West teams, National League East teams. Uh, we can handle our division, but. You're going up against the other divisions, and whoever wins the AL, I don't. I, I'm sorry, I just don't see, you know, JBJ doing it. He is an excellent defensive outfielder, mm-hmm. but you uh, just it, it's not gonna. It just shouldn't happen because he council needs that one extra pitcher, and I think, you know, going through the postseason, um, I, I think it's just best that he just be cut. So um, I I don't know who you know. You know, Tyrone Taylor, I don't know if he's going to be fully ready for it. Uh, I would think you know, so. But that's oh. a good question. I mean. But I just don't think he's got the offense. Yeah. You know, it's it's not something not that bad. we need he's to decide. The way he should yeah, it's not something we need to decide right now. He's sitting 175. Right. Right. He's got 29 RPIs. Right. The one thing that sticks with me, Binksy, is that like this man's an ALCS MVP, right? Like, I want that postseason experience, but then we also have Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich has played in the playoffs before, too. So at what point does a defensive ace, like, at what point does that not matter anymore? At what point does playoff experience not matter anymore? I would wager it starts to matter a whole lot less when you're hitting 175. Like, okay? Like, I don't know That's if right. I care about this defensive experience if you're hitting less than 180. I, I don't know if I can do that. Right. Right, exactly. But he's also, he doesn't have a, he's not, Taking his watts? No, I mean, not like at said, all. The game on Saturday that you went to, he had three, he had three strikeouts. Oh, I'm well aware. Take I'm well, there was yeah, a. And it's just like, yeah. it, you know, so I'm, I'm, I just don't. Right now, I'm just not seeing it. I mean, if he if he comes around, he comes around. That was then. This is that. You know, that was what two years ago. He was, you know, the yeah. MVP. You know, sorry, I, I'm just not seeing it this year. But you know what? Things can change. Yeah. Things can change. There's still time. Just like you, man. I mean, yep, yep. You're you're telling me there's different aspects and avenues in baseball. So I'm coming around. So heck yeah, heck if yeah. a pitcher goes six innings, I'm happy with it. So Ooh, look at <laughs> us. Look at us, Binksy. Thank you for this fantastic perspective. Thanks for the call. 
All right. Take care, buddy. Yeah, you too. Have a good night. That's Binks here in Lacrosse. Actually, uh, Binks on French Island, to be specific. It's its own own community. It's its own thing over there. Jackie Bradley Jr., I, he's not even getting on base. He's giving you really nothing. And because he's not getting on base, he can't be a threat to steal bases. He's a fast base runner, but what does it matter? Like, he's not on base. How many bats does he have? I'm trying to figure out this ESPN stat book here, and I can't. How many bats does he have this year? It's showing me last seven days. It's showing me August. It's So in August, he's got 27 at-bats, four hits, 11 strikeouts. Three of them were on Saturday. At one point, and this is kind of mean, but at one point, I think it was after his second or third strikeout where somebody a couple of rows behind me yelled, you're dog water, Jackie. I'm like, oh, my God. This is bad. Not that he could hear. I'm like, oh, it's brutal. He just had no clue. Three strikeouts. I think they were all swinging. Yeah, bad look. He was one strikeout away from the golden sombrero, I believe is what they call a four strikeout game. I don't know the background behind that. I probably should have looked that up because who knows? It's probably coming from some background of insensitivity. And I'm going to get canceled. Thank God you're here, Big Joe, because I if there's one person you can prevent me from getting canceled, it's you. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing excellent. I wish Jackie Bradley Jr. was hitting better, but it makes for interesting conversation, so it's fine. I think, I think we all do, buddy. I, I think he, he wishes he was Nelson Burton Jr. Talking, talking a little bowling with you. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, I appreciate your ability to bring up random references and, uh, and names from places where other callers just can't. What you provide to the show, Big Joe, is just so unique, and uh, it's crucial, really, to what we do here. Oh, no problem. I mean, I'm with I'm with you 100%, Grant. I'm with Binksy there that, you know, defensively, I love Jackie Bradley Jr. in the playoffs. But, I mean, you also got to remember, you've already got a good defensive outfielder in Lorenzo Cain. Mm-hmm. So, it's like you kind of would be having almost the same exact player. And both of them have the postseason experience. I totally agree that, you know, Bradley Jr. a couple of years ago for the Red Sox, yeah, he was awesome that one week of the playoffs. But what, where where's he been otherwise? Like, the guy can't even hit his own weight. It's it's just been sad watching him all year. Like they hype this guy up, like oh, this guy's gonna put us over the hump. Mm-hmm. He really hasn't done anything. And I'm with you. If we can just keep Yelich going and have him into the playoffs, just producing what he's doing, I'd be happy with it. Like I'm not asking him to be, you know, the Christian Yelich that he was two or three years ago. If he can just give us some solid at bats and some great moments in the playoffs, mm-hmm. he could carry us a long way because. We have the pitching that can be just about anybody, Grant. Yeah. Well, Christian Yelich, put it this way. Christian Yelich has to do what Chris Middleton did for the Bucs. He doesn't need to go for 40 every yep. game. He doesn't need three hits every exactly. game. But in big moments when they need a, a moment, right, if he can come through, yep. if he can be a threat with power, if he can be a threat and have some moments here and there, that's all the Brewers need because the team is so good around him, which it wasn't two years ago. I think that that's the difference between now and 2018. Grant, so in other words, he's he's pissed off now, if I can say that on the air. Yes. He's going to look at Joe Boo and be like, you know what? <laughs> I say up yours, Joe Boo. I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. <laughs> and, Big Joe, with that, you got your Major League reference in. i got to let you go because we got to get to football. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for the call. Oh, no problem, buddy. I, I hope that this rain does kind of come to Madison and it cools it off. It's been on and off here the last last couple hours. So oh, we hopefully need it. it rains good. We need it. Oh, we do, buddy. Enjoy it, Big Joe. Talk to you soon. Grant, always great talking to you, buddy. See you, bud. Have a good one. Big Joe in Madison. Maybe the rain's on its way. I saw, because you brought up the weather, I saw the temperature map for the state of Wisconsin today. Nuts, because from one corner to another, the difference was crazy. I think I saw like 65 up in Superior, and then all the way down towards Lake Geneva and Janesville, it was like 94. Sheesh.
30-degree difference. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, that's why I love living in Wisconsin, right? You don't like the weather. Just wait five minutes. It'll change. <laughs> Thank you, Big Joe. The Packers. I want to talk about Kamal Martin here in a few minutes. He started the show at 4 o'clock with a couple of topics not related directly to the Packers, but just kind of big buzzword topics in preseason right now. Justin Fields, I've kind of said my piece on him. Everybody is so upset about Justin Fields one way or another. The Bears are stupid, and Andy Dalton's an idiot. I don't think it's that big of a deal. If Justin Fields starts week one, there will be pluses and minuses. If he starts week five, there will be pluses and minuses. If he sits all year, there will be pluses and minuses. If he sits all year, that probably means that the Bears are very, very good, and the Bears are winning. It's a minus that Justin Fields doesn't get to play right away, but Bears fans, you got to be excited about your team having a chance to contend for the division or make the playoffs or, or whatever that would entail, whatever would deem Justin Fields staying on the bench. I don't know. There's pluses and minuses to all of the different ways that they will eventually get Justin Fields on the field. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Whether it's week one, week three, week 10, eh, eh, whatever. I don't think it's that big of a deal. So everyone calm down. Talked about that about an hour ago. Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, that was fun to watch last night. Taysom Hill gets the people going. I don't know that there's a topic that's so polarizing in football Unless you enter the vaccine realm, which I, I want to talk about Cole Beasley in a minute here just because I think it's very funny. Taysom Hill gets the people going. Like, you throw the word Taysom Hill out, and immediately there's two camps. And the majority of the anti-Taysom Hill people are the analytics people, the numbers people, the people who watch football and follow football maybe from a different perspective than coaches and former players. Because numbers people will be like, Taysom Hill isn't a good quarterback. And they're right. He's not a good quarterback because he's not a traditional, normal quarterback. Now he does some other things. He's not a great quarterback. And then the football guys, former coaches and players, are like, man, I don't, I don't care what his background is. I don't care what number he wears. That man's a good football player out there. You know, I want him playing quarterback for me. Just a leader of men. You can see the team rally behind him. <laughs> I don't know why I attribute football guy with someone from Texas. Really, I don't even care who plays quarterback. It's all about the name on the front of the jersey, not the one on the back. Right? So that's the football dude crowd. And then there's the analytics people who are like, you guys are a bunch of meatheads. Jameis is much better. Led the league in passing. Led the league in yards per attempt. Threw 30 touchdowns and 30 picks. But that's, you know, somebody can rate him in and Sean Payton can rate him in. Perfect. All right, great. So the debate between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston is one that I very much enjoy. And it was cool to see Jameis Winston play good last night. I think... Sports leagues are better when the most highly touted prospects turn out to be good. Like, if Zion Williamson turned out to stink, that'd be a bummer, right? This year, if Cade Cunningham or uh, who did, Evan Mobley or Jalen Green, if all those guys turn out to stink, that's a bummer. In the NFL, who won first overall this year? Trevor Lawrence? It was Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Kyle Pitts. Those guys all turn out to stink, it'd be a bummer. Because we let ourselves get so hyped up for the draft process. Where are they going to go? Oh, my God. He's going to be so good. Look at the measurables. His wingspan is, like, wider than the studio that I'm sitting in. And, oh, Kyle Pitts is oh, the best, best tight end prospect in a million years. And Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then, if those guys turn out to stink, we feel duped a little bit. Feel jerked around, lied to. Because we bought into these guys and we believed. And then they sucked. And Jameis Winston, I think, unless I'm forgetting someone, correct me, please, if I'm wrong. 
maybe the third or fourth most hyped quarterback prospect in the last decade. I mentioned Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence, I think, are probably one and two. Jameis might be number three. It would also be a great developmental story if Jameis Winston could lock on and be legit on what would be his second team now on the Saints, or if he went somewhere else after the Saints and turned out to be good. Then it shows, okay, well, even if a quarterback doesn't work at his first stop, right, he could turn out to work down the line. And then, oh, what's Josh Rosen up to? We got to go get Josh Rosen, right? What's Paxton Lynch? Somebody find Paxton Lynch's number. We're going to call him, right? It's the, the effect that Jameis Winston being good would have on the league would be very, very interesting. Because everybody, I think, now has gotten to the point, well, we'll just draft our own guy. We'll put a system around him. We'll make him work. But if Jameis Winston proves he can be good in his second or third stop, well, maybe we get more creative, look for quarterbacks in other ways. I think that could be very interesting. I think the league would just be better if Jameis Winston is good. I think that would be great. So I'm hoping he's good with the Saints, even though I love watching the Saints lose. The other story that was trending in the NFL today was Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley. The Cole Beasley saga is hilarious because Cole Beasley has been like, the biggest, most vocal anti-vaccine guy in the NFL. And the NFL basically decided, like, look, we're not gonna we're not gonna mandate that you get vaccines. But if you don't, right, we're gonna make life very, very tough. Not to like bully you, but to show that, all right, you don't want to get vaccinated, fine, that's your choice, but you gotta live by these rules, you gotta live by these standards because you're not mucking it up for us. You're not gonna cost us games, you're not gonna cost your teammates checks. Right? Like, we're not going to tolerate this. So if you don't want to get vaccinated, you better take this seriously. Otherwise, you're going to lose money, You're gonna, and your team's going to get ticked. Okay? So the NFL put these mechanisms into place, essentially to make it really, really hard to encourage their guys to get vaccinated. Right? And I'm not telling you that you should or shouldn't get vaccinated. I don't care what you do, as long as you're not throwing huge parties at my house and bringing a bunch of sick people into my living room. Okay? I don't do anything. I have no life. It doesn't really impact me. Leave me alone. Leave my grandma alone. Do what you want. Okay? But Cole Beasley's employer says you need to get vaccinated or you deal with the consequences, which is kind of similar to what we all said about Colin Kaepernick, right? Well, uh, Colin Kaepernick shouldn't be protesting at work. His employer told him not to, right? Well, now Cole Beasley's employer is telling him that he's got to play by these rules if he doesn't get vaccinated. So it's kind of similar. I think it's we're seeing both sides of that coin. Well, Cole Beasley was sent home from practice today because he came in close contact with someone who had tested positive, right? But Cole Beasley didn't test positive himself. But now he's got to wait like five days, get tested every day just to make sure, right? Because those are the rules that he has to play by, the rules that the NFL has set up. The only thing that bummed me out today was that Cole Beasley didn't go on a rant on Twitter because he's been doing that for the last couple of months. And look, Cole Beasley's made his choice. He's made it very clear why. And he's going to live with those rules, as it seems Kirk Cousins is going to too. The one thing that I, I'm not going to lecture on vaccines here. The one thing that I think as a society we got to be better at is we got to stop playing the victim. I think that's what bothers me. Like Cole Beasley is this NFL player who makes great money and has great health care and everything in front of him, and his employer wants him to get two tiny little shots in the arm, right? The same way that schools or some employers have done for a long time, right? Like, my mom works in healthcare; She's got to get a TB booster every once in a while. It's just the nature of the job. And Cole Beasley has treated this thing like, like a human rights violation, like he's victim of war crime, Cole Beasley guy here, and everybody wants to play the victim, and it's just... Just a bad look. I think that's why people have turned on Cole Beasley. It's like, dude, you're not that guy. Like, you are a very wealthy, very well-off football player. Stop acting the way that you're acting. And when I saw his name trending this morning, I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. The NFL did not mess around today. We had Justin Fields trending with Adam Schefter's announcement and Taysom Hill and Cole Beasley and Jerry Jones had some quote about the Cowboys and vaccines and what's best for the team. And I, it certainly felt like the official start of NFL season. Even if 
even if the season didn't start today, it felt like the news cycle really started to lean into NFL hot and heavy. And last night I talked, I was watching a little Monday Night Football, even though it was preseason, it kind of got me in my feels. I, was, I went for a drive at like 9 p.m. and it was pitch, pitch black. And I'm like, oh boy, getting to be that time, right? It's certainly starting to feel like football season. I want to talk about the Packers, how they cut Kamal Martin, because I, I don't know. I find it very interesting. It was a surprise, but should we be surprised? We'll also connect with Mike Clements, our embedded Green Bay Packers reporter in Green Bay. That's coming up at 535. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. Stick around. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show. My name Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Mike Clements up in about ten minutes. Going to hear about some of the goings ons, goings on, going ons. Some of the things that went down at Packers camp today. Some cuts. People put on injured reserves. So we'll get to that in about ten minutes. We're just talking a little bit about Cole Beasley. And look, I don't. We don't really talk about vaccines on the show. It's your business. It's not mine. It's the players' business. It's whatever. Um, Rary texts in. Actually, I, I like what you had to say about this, Ray. He's like, look, Cole Beasley isn't in the wrong. He doesn't have to put a foreign substance in his body if he doesn't want to. You're not wrong. The NFL has said you don't have to if you don't want to. I also think, like, it would be really reasonable for the NFL to mandate vaccines. Like, a lot of employers are doing it, and they haven't. They said, all right, you don't have to, but if you don't, got to be extra careful because we're not having the season derailed because of your lack of a vaccine. So you have to be a little bit more careful, get tested more often. And that's what Cole Beasley's up against. And I don't care about all that. The one thing that turns me off about Cole Beasley is he's just such an ass about it. Like he thinks that he is the victim and the world is discriminating against him. It's like, you know what, dude, you're a rich white man who plays football. You're a really good wide receiver and you worked hard to get that, but the world's not out to get you. And everybody these days wants to act like the world is out to get him. And it's exhausting. We're not all victims. We are not all victims. Most of us are pretty well off in this country. A lot who have it a lot worse, especially for a rich football player. He worked to earn that money and to get where he is, but to act like a victim, like it's just, it's a bad look. That's my thought. I don't get vaccinated or don't. That's his business, his family's business. But every time he goes on a rant on Twitter, I'm just like, ugh, gag me with the spoon. 608-796-2558, Twitter at Wisco Grant as well. Packers cut Kamal Martin yesterday, and I completely neglected this story. I think our caller, Ryan and LaCrescent, actually brought it up. And as soon as he mentioned I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot to forgot to say that. Damn it. Yeah, Packers cut Kamal Martin. Matt LaFleur talked a little bit about it today, and I would play you the audio. But I have a hunch that Mike Clemens is going to give us the rundown on uh, that coming up, so I don't want to steal his thunder. 2020 fifth-round pick. This is my bad. I said he was going into his third year yesterday, I believe. He's going into his second year. And the way I see it, or the way my brain worked when I heard about him being cut, I now associate Kamal Martin with a couple of other specific Packers the last few years, this proud group of Packers who year after year after year we expected to pop, but they never popped. (laughs) Right, Montrevious Adams, right? Like every year we're like, well, Adams will get a little bit better. He'll add something to the defensive line. Never did. He's now in New England. Josh Jackson, much of the same. Three years in, getting cut, or I guess getting traded. De facto getting cut, but getting traded um, out of town. And then Kamal Martin couldn't even make it to year two, which is sad. Kingsley Kiki could be dangerously teetering on this territory if he doesn't 
really do much of anything this year. He'll be another one of those players where every year we're like, oh, this year he'll take a step. This year he'll take a step. And then they never do take a step. Like all of these Packers players who we expected to pop, they never did. Maybe back in the day, Mike Neal. How long was Mike Neal? I'm going to Google this uh, on the air, so bear with me. How many years was Mike Neal with the Packers? I always remember that dude never wearing gloves. Mike Neal, football references, computer is mighty slow. Anyways, how was your day? Crazy weather we're having, huh? Here we go. Mike Neal, pro football reference. How many seasons was he with the Packers? Because I think Mike Neal would fit perfectly into this group, too. I remember he and Mike Daniels combined for that big sack of Brady in 2014. And other than that, that's all I really remember about him. Okay, so he was with the Packers. Okay, he was with the Packers his whole career from 2010 to 2015. One, two, three, four, five years. He started 15 games in 2015 and recorded four sacks. I guess that's not bad. It's not great. I think Mike Neal fits in this bucket too. For the sake of this conversation, I'm going to stick Mike Neal in this bucket of Players who year after year were like, oh, we're excited about this guy. Packers drafted this guy. He'll get better, this guy. And then never really did and moved on from the Packers one way or another via trade or via cut in the case of Josh Jackson or Kamal Martin, respectively, or with Mike Neal. I just, I would imagine they just didn't re-sign him. He was here for five years, which I assume is the entirety of his rookie deal. I don't remember where he went after that, if anywhere. This isn't a Mike Neal segment. This is a Kamal Martin segment. I know some Packers fans were confused and some were frustrated, we love any linebacker with upside. Like Draft any linebacker with any sort of upside, and we love it because the Packers don't really care about inside linebackers. I work with a Vikings fan, and I was talking to him today, uh, this afternoon, outside of the studio, and we were talking about Kamal Martin because he's a Minnesota fan, too, and he asked about why the Packers cut him, and I'm like, well, he wasn't very good, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I can't break down the film and tell you why they got rid of him, but I, I told him that I think the Packers feel the same way about inside linebackers that Mike Zimmer feels about quarterbacks. Like, they're a necessary evil. We would rather play without them. Like, I think if it was up to the Packers, they wouldn't have a single inside linebacker on the field. And I think if it was up to Mike Zimmer, he would just line up Dalvin Cook in the eye, and they would go without Kirk Cousins. They'd go without a quarterback completely. In fact, Everson Griffin, you dig up some of those old tweets from last year when he wasn't a member of the Vikings, the ones where he called Kirk Cousins um, ass. He said, Mike Zimmer didn't want Kirk Cousins. Ask him about it. Like, I don't think Kirk Cousins is welcomed by Mike Zimmer. I don't think Mike Zimmer likes any of his quarterbacks. I don't think he likes Kellen Mond. I don't think he likes Nate Stanley. I I think he tolerates Jake Browning because he avoided getting sick and he was able to conduct practice. Like, I think he'd use a jugs machine if he could. Jugs machine wouldn't get COVID. I think the Packers feel that way about inside linebackers. All right, so this is their personnel room, right? And all the scouts and office people are looking at Goody they're like all right so who are we gonna have play inside linebacker this year huh what's what's your idea and they all got their notebooks out and Goody's like do we have to do we need do we need an inside linebacker on the roster yep Brian we do that's how football works okay fine I guess Chris Barnes will do (laughs) that's the discussion going on at Lambeau Field guaranteed and that's probably the discussion that Mike Zimmer has with Ziggy Wilf and Rick Spielman. Do we need a quarterback? Yes, Mike, we do. Every team needs a quarterback. Ugh. Never let me do it my way. Like a teenager. <laughs> Let's get connected to Mike Clements, our green and gold insider. Green Bay. Maybe he was in that personnel room. Maybe he can attest to the conversations that were being had about an inside linebacker between Brian Gutekunst and company. That's coming up next. Live from Green Bay, Mike Clements on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills 
on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I think we have a very good squad. Very good squad. Squad to make tough. But you know, I, I do with 16 practice squad spots, which is obviously last year was the first time we had that many. I feel good about you know when we get down to it after we get through this week, you know we'll be at 80, and then uh, we'll get down really at the end of the day if we're able to keep all our own guys, you'll know, we'll have 69 players in house. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. That was Brian Gudekinst. Also, just so we're clear and thorough, a graduate of the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, talking about all the activity that's been going down this week. It's a busy week because they gotta make cuts. Cuts were made yesterday, today, guys going on injured reserve, and there's a lot going on. So no better time and no better reason than to get connected with our reporter who's there to see it all and hear it all and help us understand it because God knows I can't keep track. <laughs> track of it all that's mike clements who is in green bay mike how are you today i'm good um you know about this time yesterday we get the word that kamal martin had been cut yeah here's a linebacker from burnsville minnesota who was all state you know he's a quarterback and a safety and then he you know was living the dream he went to the university of minnesota started started as a sophomore they moved him to linebacker he had 59 tackles by the time he was a junior. And then his senior year, he has the knee injury. Now he comes back like two or three weeks later. He's playing on a knee. He probably should not have been. But he knew that he was getting scouts from the NFL, and he had a shot at the NFL draft. So he goes into the draft. He gets drafted in the fifth round by the Packers, and they really like that guy. They like his attitude, his ability to pick up the playbook, his quickness, but by this time last year, they had to shut him down because he had a torn meniscus in his knee. So he misses six weeks. He comes back, plays against the Texans, and in his first NFL game, after missing, you know, didn't have preseason and mm-hmm. you know, the COVID camps and all that, he gets six tackles. Then he does test positive for COVID, has to take another break in the season. And then he comes back and he plays in the Bears game on Sunday Night Football and he sacks Mitch Trubisky. So you're thinking, hey, with Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes, another guy they discovered, you yeah. know, undrafted, they're going to be, hey, they've got two young studs for inside linebacker. Joe Barry comes on as defensive coordinator. He's a really nice guy. He's given all these he's, – he's trying to learn what these guys want to do and put in kind of some different things in the scheme. But all of a sudden you start seeing Kamal at the back of the line in the OTAs and in the mini camps and then starting in training camp, and then he's injured in training camp. Okay. So it's to take about a week or 10 days to get off. Yesterday, though, they cut him. And, you know, when this happened, it, it, I mean, there's there's plenty of other guys that they cut a cut, like this yeah, guy yeah. that they released today. Josh Avery, he's a nose tackle. This Deloti Scott, he's an outside linebacker. He's at the back of the line. Ray Wilborn, he's another inside linebacker. Coy Cronk, he's on the offensive line, guard in the center. Why would you cut a fifth-round pick? And I swear to you, Grant, I think this is a Ted Thompson thing that, you know, Brian's like, you know what? We don't think this guy is going to make the 53. Cut him now. Maybe you can catch on with somebody else later on. But the other thing is we want to send a message in that locker room. You know, hey, we have – if you're a fifth-round pick and if you're not cutting it, you're out of here because we've got younger guys, undrafted guys like Jonathan Garvin that are producing better. So we asked LaFleur today, hey, we're kind of surprised uh, Kamal Martin no longer on the team. Here's what LaFleur said this morning. 
Well, it's just, you know, unfortunately we're at the spot now where we have to make some really tough decisions. And, you know, Kamal was a, a great teammate and did everything we asked him to do. It's just, you know, sometimes you got to make some tough decisions. You know, I know you can speak to what's going on at Lambeau in their front office. Uh, let me tell you what I thought of this as a fan. I immediately thought of when they cut Sam Barrington in 2015, where as a fan, once 2016. Again, tw- 2016. That was yeah. September of 2016. And you know what? They cut Josh Sitton on the same day. Yeah. And, well, you know what? There was words that there was a fight in the locker room between those two players which is why Ted got rid of both of them. Oh, okay, well, and this is just what I knew, knew as a fan at the time. I had this idea in my mind. Okay, Packers aren't going to be great at inside backer, but Sam Barrington, this guy seems like he'd be good enough. Like, he can be a piece. And then the Packers just cut him. And I was like, well, wait, I thought I thought he might not be an all-star. He might not be a pro bowl, but I thought he was pretty good. And that was kind of the same response I had with Kamal Martin. Now, Sam Barrington was a later pick. I looked it up today just to make sure he's a seventh rounder. But fifth, seventh, I mean, Either way, I thought both of these guys, even if they're not all pros, all right, good piece moving forward for the future, and then all of a sudden they're gone. Like, it was very, very... No, you're right. Because, listen, and when they brought when they brought Sam Barrington in, that dude was a thumper. Yeah. He was like the next Desmond Bishop, okay? He could hit people and hurt them. And and remember, he had that, they had that one game where he got to start at inside linebacker against the Patriots here at Lambeau Field, and the Packers beat him. And Barrington had a huge role in that. But then he had a foot injury, mm-hmm. and it took almost like a year to sort of recover from that. But in that camp of 2016, he was finally back, finally looked healthy. But, you know, they, they'd gotten a couple of more other guys after that. It was time to move on. I think that was when they had drafted Ryan out of Michigan and some other choices. Ugh. And then he got into this thing with Sitton. And, I, you know, we were just talking about this the other day, that, you know, the word was that that was part of the reason that Sitton was suddenly released and they thought they could move on with Lane Taylor and save money, you know, the next year. People wondering if that's going to be a move with Lucas Patrick. But no, good recall on the Sam Barrington story. So so then the next thing is, uh, okay, Kadar Holman, all right, that's fine. You're deep at, at corner. This is a kid who I mean, didn't get good grades in high school, so therefore none of the colleges came calling on him. He took like some third shift job you know, working overnight in some donut factory. And he finally, Toledo gave him a chance as a walk-on. So then he was able to use his athleticism at Toledo and get his grades up so that the NFL would look at him. And he ended up being a draft pick for the Packers. But, you know, he's a shorter guy with some speed. But, you know, they got Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and so they basically with that trade yesterday, they get him off the roster. They get that pick back that they essentially gave up for Randall Cobb. Well, it was a sixth-round pick they gave up for Cobb. Yep. Now they get a seventh-round pick. So they get a pick back for next year's draft. And so that was the Kadar Holman thing. They released Daniel Crawford. He's a tight end at the back of the line of a very talented uh, tight end room. Josh Avery, you know, he's, he was re- released today. And, and so that's, you know, those are the moves they made. And then the next one was this. Over the weekend, I'm looking at all these guys, and you know that you look at the like the performance against the Jets, mm-hmm. and again, it's this Cavian Ento guy, yep. you know, because they got 30 of their starters resting, right? So you start seeing all these second and third string and bubble guys performing, and you see names like Cavian Ento and Innis Gaines and Henry Black. They're getting tackles on special teams. They're getting tackles on defense because they were actually in starting defense. And Will Redmond, who I met, you know, I know you mentioned earlier in the show. Remember, he, he dropped that 
yeah. potential interception against Tom Brady in the NFC Championship. Yeah. So uh, today I'm thinking, you know, is Will Redmond, who, who's a guy that came from Memphis, and then I think it was at Mississippi State, he got drafted in the third round by the 49ers mm-hmm. about four or five years ago, but he had a knee injury there. He got looked at one other team, Green Bay brought him in, and they liked him. LaFleur and his people liked him, and he's made some big plays in his time here, but on and off with injuries. He ended up having a toe injury Saturday afternoon against the Jets, so he wasn't out there at practice yesterday. And I'm thinking, is this the next Raven Green? Sure. Is this a guy who they think they could back up at safety, Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, but he keeps on getting injured? So I asked LaFleur this morning, um, what what – what does Will Redmond mean to you as a safety and to your defense the past two years? Well, I hope I hope to get him healthy. Um, you know, that's been a kind of a bummer coming back and n- not being really a part of much on the field. Uh, but Will is a versatile guy. Certainly, he's got the ability to play in the box when we go into dime um, or play as a deep safety. You know, he's got the corner background, so he can get you out of the game there too. So, and then just his contribution really on special teams is he's, he's been consistently our best special teamer over the, over the course of two years here. So, um, yeah, he, he is an impact player in that, in that phase of the game. Uh, we just, we've got to get him healthy. We're talking with Mike Clements, our green and gold reporter for the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Here's what, here's what concerns me between Will Redmond getting hurt and the cut of Kamal Martin. In a 3-4 defense, right, you need a lot of linebackers, or with what they've done with Mike Penn in the past is they just play a lot of dime. I don't know. Do they have a surplus of defensive backs to rotate through that star position? Because Jandon Sullivan I like, but he got cooked by the Bucks and Tom Brady in that game. I don't. I mean, with, without Will Redmond, they lose some depth there. And then by cutting Kamal Martin, I, I don't know. That lowers the upside of the linebacker room or my perceived upside. I, I don't know. Is, is this concerning? I feel like they need an extra defensive back to play dime, or they need an extra linebacker in the room, and I, I don't know if they have either right now, but maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. Well, right now what it means is like some of these un, you know guys that listeners don't know quite yet, like Jonathan Garviner, Garvin yeah. at linebacker, sure. or this Henry Black who got on the field toward the end of last year, or this Kabian Ento. Some of these guys, they live another day. You know, They've got a better shot of getting out of the 53 or at least, you know, the practice squad like Gudikins talked there. But, you know, the Will Redmond story, this is one of those deals where I just like, you know, this this guy on this board, he's sort of in between these new guys and your starters that you rested. And, you know, what, what, where do they see going with him? And when I asked him about Will Redmond, that's when LaFleur stopped and looked at me like, what are you asking me about him for? Because six hours later, they put him on IR. <laughs> And since he's not on the 53, if you make the 53, they can bring you back from IR. But if you're in one of these guys now, you know, where they're cutting down to 80, if they put you on IR, you're done for the year. So yeah. that was that was what it turned out. That's why LaFleur looked at me like that is because he knew it was likely they were going to put him on IR and be able to get to 80 men on the, on the team. So today at practice, mm-hmm. man, I wish you could have been at this one today. It's their in pads. Jordan Love gets on the field, and yesterday he just did drills, but today he did take some team. You know, he only threw like four or five balls. They're slowly trying to work the arm in, but I think that they'll see how he responds tomorrow. They got tomorrow off, then they got another practice on Thursday. And if he feels good on Friday, then they'll put him in for some series Saturday in Buffalo against the Bills.
Cecil Rogers, man, the guy's just on fire. And one of the throws he makes, he made a nice bomb down to Marquez Valdez-Scaling. But mm-hmm. another one, he had MVS on an out route for a th- on a third down, looking for a first down. And he threw this dart. I mean, the throws that Rodgers were making today were unbelievable, low and away. And yet, Kevin King, who's missed all the training camp, today was his first day back in pads, diving for the ball, deflected it, and knocked it out into the sideline. It was a perfect play. Unbelievable. And he got up and, you know, was patting himself on the chest. And all these guys yeah. were like, yeah, he's back. This guy, they were all celebrating that. And so then Kevin King then came into this un- unbelievable press conference today. It was the first time we had a chance to talk to him about the NFC loss. And, you know, the word is is that that play that they gave up to Scotty Miller, the fast outside receiver that Brady threw the touchdown through, yep. you know, was wide open just before the half, that was a Matt LaFleur decision to Mike Pettin and a miscommunication between those two, between whether or not it was supposed to be zone or man. And Kevin said, I knew I was supposed to take that guy. But the play that was called put me back, you know, in in the, in the middle zone. And I I should have gone against what what it was. And so Kevin said, so what did you learn from that experience after that loss to the Buccaneers and Tampa and Tom Brady? Really just trusting myself, you know, trusting myself. There was like very little intricate things that happened that I'm not even going to speak about. Um but it's kind of like, ah, Kevin, you knew it. You, you know, little things like that. It's like, ah, like regardless of what else going on, it's like, you know, as a player out there, you know, you know what's going to happen, you know, just in terms of like, you know, just knowing football, knowing situations, knowing, you know, personnel. We, we go through all that stuff, you know, and it, it's just it's little things that, you know, that I should trust in myself more. So be a rebel if need be, right? Is that That's what he's saying. Like if he sees something and wants to make a play – don't be afraid to do it. Is that what I'm hearing here? Yeah, and it's his fifth year in the league, you yeah. know, and it's like, hey, they, these guys made a mistake, uh, and it's going to be my, you know, I'm. Uh, it's going to be my rear end if I make a mistake here. So he was also asked, listen, you know, everybody pretty much blames that game on you. You're the scapegoat with Green Bay. People across the state hate number 20, and you had a chance. You probably could have gone to another team for at least a one-year deal. Instead, you stayed in Green Bay for the one-year deal. Um, why did you not leave Green Bay? No, I'm definitely – look, I'm not the type of guy that just tries to sweep shit under the rug, you know, on some like, uh, uh, let me get a fresh start somewhere. I want to finish this with my guys, the guys who believed in me, the guys who continue to believe in me, you know, and, and I'm like I said, I'm, I'm going to do my part to, to uphold my side of the bargain. We're we here to win a Super Bowl. I love that attitude. I think it reminds me of Giannis, right? A couple failures, wants to keep trying, wants to keep going. And, Mike, I – People hating Kevin King in the state of Wisconsin. I, I don't. They I don't know do. What you're they do. I, I, that's certainly so not let me the tell fault you. of a radio host. That's no. I no, never heard anything no. like that. <laughs> so today, the, today then at that practice, it was really intense and things flying around. And then all of a sudden, up comes a storm and there's a flash of lightning. So we have to go run inside the Hudson Center, mm-hmm. which lets me get even closer to the players and the team. So now Rogers again is running the offense and he's just carving it up. It just unbelievable throws. And I'm looking at Devin Funches, the guy who they brought in last year from Carolina. He goes, uh, he takes the, he opts out because of COVID. 
And then I've said to you, you know, all this spring and even through this training camp, he keeps on having troubles with his hamstrings. He's standing there on the sidelines about 30 yards downfield from one of the offenses playing the guitar to the music that's piped in during practice. And I'm thinking, that's, that's not exactly the way the Packers, you know, handle themselves. But later, the, clo- the longer I watched, the more I saw this guy giving off as much energy as he could into the practice and yelling at his teammates like Cobb and Devontae and cheering them on. And the next thing I saw was Kevin King. He, he went out, and the, the next platoon came in. So then he challenged. Devin Funches challenged Kevin King. Hey, if offense makes a play, you've got to give me five push-ups. Sure. If defense makes a play, I've got to do five push-ups. They're 55 yards across from each other. Kevin's on his sideline, def- defense, Devin. And so these guys are taking turns through every snap for the next 20 or 30 snaps. If it's defense, then you've got Funches taking, you know, doing uh, push-ups. And if it's offense that makes a play, you've got Kevin. I, th- I think that was pretty cool. You I can see that. how intense the practice is. And also you can hear how much these guys are cheering each other on. Bakhtiari, injured, cheering guys on. And then the next thing is, is how deep they are at this safety position with guys like Ennis Gaines, yeah. who we found out, you know, he's got the nickname Thump. He's out of TCU. He's one of two or three players out of TCU. So we asked his safety in his games, who's got a good shot of making the team as a special teams guy. How did he get that nickname in Texas? My high school coach slash mentor um, growing up, like I'll say about ninth grade, 10th grade, I was making some splash plays on the field. But uh, he was saying, I need a nickname to go by because people had a hard time saying Ennis. People would say Ennis sometimes. So he was like, you need a nickname. So he was like, we should call you Thump Thump. So it started as Thump Thump, and everybody started changing it from Thump Thump to just single Thump. And it's stuck with it ever since. Man, depth at the nickel position, depth at safety. This is what I'm looking for, Mike. You brought us full circle here. This is what I needed. And I love the nickname. I'm a fan. And they, and they gave on Tremont's old number 38. Now listen to this. He played at TCU with Ty Summers and a couple of other guys that are in the NFL right now. But he had not one but two ACLs. He was he was a top he was in the top 10 of high school football players at safety when uh he went to TCU. And he's got two ACLs. Now he knows he's screwed in terms of with the NFL scouts. So he's still trying to work out. And then if the phone rings and the scout says, "Hey, I'm in the area in Dallas, I'll come and take a look at you. Well, he's got to run and go meet this guy at some high school field and work out for him. So he's trying to figure out how can I still bring in money for my family and, 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 and still keep in shape. So we talked about what it was like to go from two ACLs at TCU to here at the Packers and a chance of making the 53. Mike, i got to take a break as soon as possible. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play this cut, and we're going to listen to it as we go into commercial. So then I can come back and wrap up the show. Two ACLs. All I appreciate, good. Yeah, I appreciate all this audio. This is great. I just, as to not be rude, I don't have to cut you off after this, so I'm going to let you go. Are we going to talk again on Thursday? Sounds good. All right. Awesome, Mike. Thank you. Are we you. playing the audio right now? I'm going to play it as soon as I get off the phone with you. I don't want to play it over you. Oh, okay. Are we in break? No, not yet. No, no, no. no. I'm going to play it as oh. we go to break. No, you're good. Oh, I get it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Play back when we come back. I will. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon. Thanks. See ya. I never had an injury bug to college, so it was like a lot going on at one time. Like my first injury was like an ACL. It was like out of anything, why I have to be an ACL? So I got back-to-back ACLs, and then so it was really hard just trying to find a good mental space to be, to keep working out, keep hanging out with family and stuff, keep my mind right, keep my hopes up, keep my dream alive, and then got the call, so it felt great. What would you do other than rehabbing? What would you do last year? Uh, besides rehabbing, I would just work out and do DoorDash to make money. 
make ends meet. Yeah, because you get your own schedule, basically. Cause, like, you work when you want to work, so I'll work out. Then get time to do DoorDash, do a couple hours of that, then do a couple hours in the evening, and then hang out with my family and stuff. So try to make things eat. So that was perfect, really, where you can work your own hours. Have you ever done that before? Was- I couldn't get, like, a normal job and still work out how I wanted to because any day you could get the call from somebody to come work out. So it's like I can't be the job working out and, and try to get work out and try to have family time. So I was like, whatever is the best way to get where I need my life going, so I had to figure out a way. And DoorDash, I seen it. Some of my friends were doing it, and they were telling me, like, you can still you can do whatever you wanted. You ain't got work every day. You can do whatever you need it. And I, was, I did, like, three hours a day. And where was that? I was in Texas, Dallas area. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.